Welcome to the Life Story Coach Podcast, where you'll hear interviews, tips, and advice on the craft and business of personal history and life story writing with your host, Amy Woods Butler. Friends, welcome back. And if this is your first time listening, I'm glad you found us. Today, I am happy to introduce Derek Lewis onto the Life Story Coach podcast. Derek is a ghostwriter who's written for books for clients around the world. And I think that means actually five continents his clients have been on. So his specialty is business books for people who have a message that they want to get out into the world, people who want to establish themselves as the expert or the authority in their field. So the kinds of books that Derek Ghost writes are different from the projects that we do as personal historians, but we have a lot in common. Like us, Derek sits down and he interviews people and he writes the books in their voice. And like us, Derek has to find clients who need his help, or in his case, have the clients find him. So we're going to talk about all that and probably some more stuff. Um, and I just want to welcome you, Derek. To Thank you for joining us on the Life Story Coach podcast. Amy, it's my pleasure. Let's start by having you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got your start in ghostwriting, because from what I understand, that's not how you started off as a writer, correct? No. <laughs> in fact, um, I'd, I've never met a ghostwriter yet who woke up one day and decided that they wanted to be a, a ghostwriter. All <laughs> of us have fallen into it by, uh, by accident. Um, my accident was that I happened to be working for a horrible man. And um, while I was working for him, um, I was spearheading new projects. I was uh, more or less the, the in-house um, consultant, um, spearheading new projects. But they discovered that I liked to, to write, that I just had a, a gift for it. And so um, they started uh, pushing all the, the marketing um, writing my, my way. So it got to the point where anything in this group of, of companies, um, if it was going to be public facing, be it, uh, be it website, be it um, direct mail or, or whatever it was, it had to, to go by my desk. Well, um, so finally I got fed up enough with him, um, with my wife's encouragement to, uh, to quit and go out on my own. Um, friend of mine, he was uh, the IT guy there. We started um, a small business servicing um, the IT for other small businesses like he had been doing. So we did that for uh, about a year. Um, and during that time to make grocery money and just to, um, you know, just to kind of supplement us starting up a company from scratch, um, I started looking for other opportunities to moonlight as a writer. So basically what I had been doing um, in those businesses, I started looking for other businesses to do it for. Um, and that is how I became a copywriter and realized that I was a much better copywriter than I was uh, a tech guy. Um, I'm not a tech guy at all, as, uh, as I discovered. So he and I um, amicably parted ways, and I went um, into copywriting full time. Then, while I was trying to find clients, I accidentally stumbled across somebody who had posted um, wanting a, a book. And I thought, well, I've been, you know, doing copywriting for all of these business owners. Why not write a book for a business owner? Little did I know that they are two completely different skill sets. Mm -hmm. I mean, literally two different industries. But I was like, well, I'm just going to be writing, 
just, you know, a little bit longer than a blog post or an article or something like that. <laughs> um, dumb, naive uh, child that I was. But uh, that is what launched it. So I, uh, I wrote, excuse me, I ghostwrote uh, with my first client, discovered that I loved ghostwriting and was a much better ghostwriter than I was a copywriter. And uh, that's been almost 10 years ago. Wow. Yeah, that's an interesting story. Okay, so would you say that you stumbled on somebody who was looking to have a book ghostwritten? Was that somebody that you were actually doing copywriting for? Or was that on in some other way of finding him or him finding you? So uh, at that time, um, I was still trying to uh, find clients. Um, and so one of the, the ways that I tried to do that was through some of the online portals. So back then, um, there was Elance and Odesk and Freelancer.com. So these were all online job posting sites. And I think all of them have been um, bought out by, I don't know, Freelance or Freelancer.com or something like that. Um, Guru.com was was another one. So she had posted this um, online. And I uh, uh, basically, I answered an ad. Wow. And you had never done any writing for this person before this then? No. no. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? You know, that kind of points to one of the big challenges that we have as personal historians. And I'm actually curious to find out if if it's a challenge that you face too. So um, right before you and I started recording, I was telling you how the term personal history is um, kind of meaningless for most of the public. You know, if you don't work in the industry, chances are if you meet somebody and they say, oh, I'm a personal historian, they're not going to know what you do. Um, and that points to the larger problem of, you know, we have, we have, Personal historians want to um, help people who want to write books, not the same kind of books that you do. So not the um, the books that are commercially published, but books that they want to have as a legacy for their family and for future generations. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I say books, I also mean videos and, and audio. Um, but when the general public doesn't know that there is an industry that can help them do that, it makes it really hard. So, um, you know, obviously, freelancer.com is a good source to go if you know that you have some copywriting needs, or I'm not sure, I'm not real familiar with it, but, you know, maybe technical writing needs. Um, But we don't really have any place like that to to, um, put ourselves out there on some central format. Uh, or forum that tells people, hey, I can help you write your life story or um, create even ethical wills and things like that. Is that the same for your market, the people that you're trying to ghostwrite for? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's... um, It is incredibly difficult. Um, And in fact, even... uh, so, Amy, whenever whenever I think about um, explaining, uh, especially to, to other um, other people, especially um, up and coming ghostwriters uh, or people who who have expressed an interest in ghostwriting, or even some you know uh, some of my my, my peers who have been um, in go- ghostwriting um, for years and uh, you know are, are veterans and still um, having to struggle with uh, where do we find our, our clients and. And uh, how do we how do we land these projects? Um, I think the the 
probably the the best analogy that I know of is uh, whenever you are whenever you're looking for for a job, uh, say you know since somebody has a has a career, or they you know they're looking for an employment position, is what I mean to say. Um, there are places on online. Monster.com is probably the the most well known, or at least uh, certainly the most well advertised. Um, career careerbuilder.com is another one. So if you are an employer and you want to find um, you know somebody with a certain certain skill set, you can go post uh, a job ad on one of these sites. And if you're somebody who's looking for a new employment position, you can go on these sites and uh, post your resume and answer their questions and, and try to land a, a job. Um, but Amy, you know that, and the number has held pretty consistently for all the years that I've, I've been watching it, that approximately 90% of all uh, positions filled in the United States are never advertised. Wow. Never. 90%. That is staggering. 90% of all roles, all functions, all positions are never publicly advertised. Nine out of every 10 jobs comes from um, either somebody, um, either somebody being promoted internally um, somebody being referred, uh, word of mouth. Um, sometimes uh, people will have a job created for them. My father um, is is one of those impressive people. After his first position, every position that he's had in his company since then has been created expressly um, for him. Sometimes it's um, often it's uh, it's who you know, and not in a bad way, but in a way uh, that's basically mm-hmm. a, a word of mouth uh, referral. So. So 90% of of all of those are never available, never seen, never even known about for the the vast majority of of people who are out there looking for a job. So all of these people who are posting um, their resumes to monster.com, they are spending all of this time and all of these hours competing um, with other people who have the same information that they do, who have um, some of the same education, some of the same background and skill sets that they do, so they are competing in the in the fiercest uh, competition, um, and yet in the shallowest end of of the pool. Mm-hmm. That, because just about all the jobs that are advertised, they're not you know high placed executive uh, positions with great salaries and. And benefits. Most of the time, those are entry level jobs, or they're temporary jobs. Um, it's it's the, the 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 deep end of, of the pool where the benefits are, where the south. Those most of the time, people don't even have. Um, they're not even aware that they're right. available. Yeah, I my my I have teenagers, and they've gone through the same thing. Just for getting jobs at you know the Andy's custard shop, they where they're supposed to apply online and then they become faceless because there's, you know, every other 17 year old in town is applying online. And that's why I tell them you have to go out, you have to make yourself known. You have to, you know, print out the, the application or print out a little resume, go up there, introduce yourself to the manager. So it's, it's making yourself known so that there's some form of real connection and not just this virtual, you know, something that somebody can hit delete on really, really quickly. 
Yeah. Um, so how does that play out then in your marketing efforts? And, you know, what I'd actually like to hear about is, um, well, there's a lot of things. <laughs> but w- one thing that I want to hear about is the marketing efforts that when you first got into this, that did not work, because I think that we can probably learn an awful lot about, you know, from from hearing those things, too. Yeah. Um, so the, the the analogy is that whenever we are are online like that, uh, so the the places where I was trying to find jobs were was the 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 freelance equivalent of careerbuilder.com mm-hmm. or monster.com where I was competing in the shallowest end of the pool and yet with the the, uh, the fiercest competition um, and so whenever we think about trying to Whenever we think about trying to have a, a great life, Amy, we, we can't do that by competing on, on price, especially um, freelancers, solo entrepreneurs, independent professionals, um, or however you, you think about yourself. But basically, as a, as a one-man band, we can't survive um, competing on, on price. Uh, there's just simply no way. And so if we decide that we can't compete on price, um, and we also we only have so many hours in, in in a week. So for larger companies, they have people who can be dedicated to marketing or dedicated to sales or dedicated to lead generation or dedicated to lead nurturing. We don't have that luxury because we have to not only secure the project and land the gig and sell it, but then we also have to do the work. And even while we're doing the work, we have to keep our marketing going. We have to keep up with our bookkeeping and our taxes. We have to keep up with paying the the bills and accounts receivable. Um, So there's just no way that we can effectively compete in those shallow ends of the, of the market. Um, there's no way that we can effectively compete uh, by trying to do uh, sales and marketing efforts on on quantity, right? By by trying to reach out, by doing as many cold calls as possible, by doing as many cold emails as possible. Um, there's there's just no way to get a good return on investment. Um, no way that you can make a living like that. So. Um, that's the long way around of coming to answer your question of what didn't work. So for years, Amy, um, like I said, I've, I've been doing, I've been on my own for almost, uh, almost a decade now. And it's probably only in the last maybe three years, maybe three. Yeah. Probably about three years ago. Um, I finally came to the, the realization well, this is this is what happened. So, I was doing all of I was doing just about everything that I knew to do. Right, I was um, doing. Uh, I would do cold emails. I would do warm emails. I would try to advertise on LinkedIn. I would. Um, I would try to connect on LinkedIn. I was going to uh, business networking events uh, around Greater Baton Rouge. Um, I mean, I was trying to read every marketing I, you know, book, every marketing blog that I could get my hands on and try to implement just a million different things to just see what would work. And yet, frustratingly, well, probably not really frustrating, but um, maybe ironically, all of my sales never came from 
any of anything that I did. Whenever somebody would, um, you know, email me out of the blue or call me out of the blue, it would be, well, I was looking on your website and, um, nothing that I ever did, you know, um, active marketing as, as I think of it turned up any sales. All of my sales came from people accidentally stumbling across my website online. And so one day I finally had a light bulb moment that if I've been trying to do all of this kind of active, you know, hands-on direct, where can I find a client type of, of thinking? And it had gotten me nothing. And if all of my sales were coming from people finding me online, then maybe it would behoove me to stop spending time doing stuff that doesn't return anything and start spending my time on something that has returned stuff, even with almost minimal effort. So It's funny how long we yeah. take to learn those <laughs> lessons sometimes. <laughs> it, it's, it sounds silly whenever, you know, I, I, I you know, say it in, in black and white like that, but I just, I had this, and really, Amy, it comes down to our psychology that we think, especially as, you know, the, especially as, as solo entrepreneurs, right? We're the, the captains of our faith, the masters of our soul, or the, or the other way around. We think <laughs> that we are supposed to get out there and, and hoof it. We think that we should be able to, uh, that we're we think that we're the problem. We're not working hard enough. We're not doing the the right thing. If only I did this, or if only I I did that. Um, and that somehow, if we just put in more effort, or that if we can just find the the lock, or if we can just you know find just the right magic thing, that all of a sudden everything will just fall into place. Um, and that's that's just not reality at all, regardless of how bad we want it to be. So what? finally got me to, you know, I had this, this, you know, moment of, uh, okay, dummy, let's actually go with, with what's, what's been working. So after pursuing that, Amy, I realized that my real problem had been that I had been looking at the, the problem all wrong. I had been asking the question, where can I find clients? And it had gotten me nothing. The real question that I should have been asking is how can I help my clients find me? That is a complete mind shift. It assumes that there are people out there who want to work with me. It assumes that there are people out there who can afford and are more than able to afford who, who are willing and want to afford to work with somebody like me. Um, and it assumes that they're already looking for me. My uh, challenge, my, my, the, the gap, is that I'm not making it easy enough for them to find me. Mm-hmm. So after, um, after coming to, to that, I really started putting you know, my time and, and effort into um, – what some gurus call attractive marketing, what some uh, of the more kind of professional marketers call inbound marketing. And this is where um, you assume that there is um, 
that there are you know people out there looking for you, Googling you, trying to find you. And your job is to put your job being the, the, the business owner, the independent mm-hmm. entrepreneur, your job is to put what I call, what I've taught um, other ghostwriters um, to, to think of is breadcrumbs out there. So just like Hansel and Gretel put breadcrumbs, um, you know, the scattered breadcrumbs throughout the, the forest, uh, and those breadcrumbs are, are what led them home. The same thing uh, for for us. We have to go out and put breadcrumbs out there, different places for people to the, the people who are looking for us. That once they find that breadcrumb, that breadcrumb will lead them uh, home. In this case, our our, our homepage, our, our website, and that website um, is supposed to do the job of spurring a conversation, um, and then once. You have that conversation, then you have to be a decent salesperson. Uh, so once I started putting my efforts in, into that, into actually putting breadcrumbs out there, um, and we can spend hours talking about what breadcrumbs look like, but helping people find me. Um, and then once they come to my website, putting the right content, um, the right focus, the right markers and signals of credibility and legitimacy on there so that it's not them deciding to hire me, but them deciding that they would like to speak with me. Mm-hmm. That's the purpose of my website, not to get them to, to buy, not to sell them, but just to convince them that I am either to convince them that I am the person that they're looking for, in which case they're attracted to me. That's kind of the, the idea of attractive marketing or um, to repel the people who are not a good fit for me. So the people who want to to spend five hundred dollars uh, to have me ghostwrite their their entire book, those are not the people I want to I want to speak to. Not because um, not because I'm a horrible person, but because as a solo entrepreneur, I only have a, a very limited amount of time in my working week, mm-hmm. and I want to spend that time if I'm going to spend it in in, in marketing and sales. I want to spend it with people who are likely prospects, people who are somewhat qualified to um, to work with me. I don't want to, to waste it on people who aren't going to hire me in, in a million years. And so right. And with this system, there's a bit of self-vetting going on, right? Because the yes. people, um, you're not reaching out to a whole big pool of people who most of them will never want to have a, a book ghost written, or in our case, a, a memoir written, but you're letting the people who already have that idea, the, the ones who think that they want to have that done, they're coming to you. So you've already shrunk the pool, but you've made the candidates much more promising. Correct. The, the flip side, or I guess the, the, the dark side of attractive marketing is repellent marketing. And so just like a magnet attracts um, you know, the, the magnets that, that are attracted to it. If you put the wrong end of the magnet um, towards the, the other one, it repels it. And so that's what attractive marketing is. It's, it's, it attracts, it, it, it's, it does a better job of attracting the people who, who you want to be attracted to you. And it at the same time does a better job of repelling those people who are not good fit for you. And that's almost uh, anathema to, to some people. They want to, you know, talk to as many people as, as possible. They want their phone ringing off the hook. They want emails pouring in. 
Um, but if the vast majority of those emails and those phone calls are tire kickers and, and time wasters, your marketing's not doing its job, especially for people like us who only have so many hours that we can devote to talking to, to prospects. Right. Um, so what would a, a repellent um, be? What, what, give me an example of what that would look like, something to repel the people who, um, who would be the tire kicker. So um, I don't do this now because I, I, have, I have other means, but a, an easy example would be um, to list your, your prices. So, mm-hmm. um, so at the time, um, I, you know, would tell, uh, I would just, you know, list it on my website for ghostwriting for this kind of person, um, for this kind of book, um, is at least $25,000. Mm-hmm. And for the people who were looking for a ghostwriter to do it for $500, or even for $5,000, seeing, um, $25,000 or $35,000 on my, on my website would re- instantly repel mm-hmm. the people, um, for whom that was just that just wasn't in, in, in the ballpark, wasn't even in, in the realm of, of reality. But for the people who knew what market rates were for professional ghostwriters, and especially for the people who knew what markets rate, the market rates were for professional ghostwriters, knew that if they wanted a, a decent book, um, that that was a, a decent rate, and that I was so much of what they were looking for. So instead of being a, so this is another kind of attractive slash repellent thing. So me being a business ghostwriter attracted people who obviously were doing, looking for a business book and it repelled people who were looking for a fiction ghostwriter. Mm-hmm. Um, if I only talk about books on my website, then people don't contact me asking me um, if I do uh, blog articles or if I'll do a magazine article every now and then. These days, I might still get, um, you know, one or two emails a, a quarter, maybe even a year, uh, looking, asking me, you know, if, if I if I do that. Um, That's funny because I've seen your website, so those must clearly be people that are not looking at a website. They're probably just sending out some massive probably. batch email <laughs> looking for copywriters, or yeah, yeah. And somehow I came across my, you know, my my email address, right. Well, okay. So can you give us some ideas? Because as personal historians, I think this attractive or attraction marketing is absolutely, you know, the way to go. It can be gold for people. Now, um, one caveat, you know, you talked about maybe putting price on a website. And when I first started off as a, as a life story writer, um, Basically, I was doing what you were saying that you don't want to be doing now. And I was trying to talk to as many people as uh, who showed even an iota of interest. Because mm-hmm. at that point, I thought it, it was much more important for me to get some experience, to get some exposure, to actually be doing these projects. And I was willing to do them at a loss. So, you know, I, I had a, I, I was not charging very much, but I also was accepting projects that are very small projects that I would not be doing now. So, you know, an Mm -hmm. hour or two of interview and just giving them an edited transcript. Um, And I think that that is something that I would still recommend to people new to the field, um, because there are some benefits besides just earning what you hope to earn when you, you know, when you're fully in, when, when you're in the game of being a personal historian. But for everybody else who's ready to 
you know, have an established price point and know that know the kind of people that they want to work with. What are some of these breadcrumbs? Uh, what do they look like? Can you give us some examples of things that people can do? Sure. Um, but just to, to speak to, to the point that, that you just made, um, I'm, I'm with you, Amy. The, the ghostwriters that I, I train today, um, I advise them not to put their, their price on there, um, specifically because they need as much sales experience as they can. So even if um, they are talking to tire kickers and, and time wasters, those people help them prepare for whenever a great prospect does show up. They're not as, as nervous. They, they have more practice. They have more experience. Um, so you, you look at those people as really, they're not wasting your time. Um, they're wasting their time, uh, but you get to learn. Uh, That's this. a great point, right? And, and you're, gonna, you're going to hear the kinds of questions that you're going to hear for the rest of your career as a, exactly. as a writer. So, um, and it'll, I guess that, that gives you exposure and you can then go back and think a little bit about how is the best way to answer this question or this other question. Yeah, that's a good point. I never thought of that. Yeah. Well, I mean, you intuitively knew that you wanted that, um, that experience. Um, and that's, you know, part of, of what helped you become the, the professional that you, you are today. But yeah, I wouldn't, uh, it's, if you're going to put your, your price on there, I mean, that's a, that's a very specific tactic and you have to make sure that you're doing it wisely in general. I, I wouldn't, but it's a, it's an easy example of how to instantly turn away, you know, people who, uh, who, who don't have the, the money to work with you. And there are plenty of, of other ways. Um, but let's, let's actually talk about, um, uh, breadcrumbs, right? So breadcrumbs, whenever I think of breadcrumbs, these are, are the things that are going to lead them to your website. Um, and your website is supposed to do that filtering of, of letting the, the good people in and keeping um, the unlikely people um, out. Breadcrumbs, um, I think of, uh, whenever I think of a breadcrumb, there, there are two uh, there are two elements to breadcrumb. One is the content and two is the the venue or the medium, if you will. Um, so the the content, actually, it's probably easier for people to think of the the medium first, right? So there are all kinds of ways to put breadcrumbs out there. So you can put uh, videos on on YouTube. You could do Facebook live stream. Um, you could do uh, you could write a, a book and, and have it on on Amazon. You could put a, a white paper out there. Blog posts are certainly a, um, a great way to, to put content out there. But I hesitate using the word content because content doesn't necessarily um, it doesn't necessarily cover all the, the medium. So there are plenty of online, excuse me, offline places to, um, to, to sprinkle breadcrumbs. You just have to be very smart about it. The example I like to use is, uh, there's a, um, there's a memoir ghostwriter, um, that I've, I've, um, who went through one of my courses. Uh, she's out of, um, Montgomery, Alabama. And so she likes to do, uh, memoirs for, uh, for those who've served. So for retired military, uh, retired law enforcement, um, that's kind of her, uh, her niche. And so one of her uh, great ideas, she is a, she's a great speaker. Um, in fact, she lectures for the Smithsonian. She's, she's, she's amazing. 
one of her breadcrumbs is to go to different uh, retirement homes or retirement uh, communities um, and give lectures about how people can write their own personal memoirs, their own, you know, their own personal stories. So she's not there to do it as a sales pitch. She's not trying to get people to buy today. She is simply providing um, information. Um, and she's not looking to, to go do that activity with the, with the hope that uh, she'll leave with a signed contract. In fact, she doesn't even expect um, you know, to even find a client in there. But by, by going there, by being there, by uh, uh, giving this information and talking to these people, she's putting a breadcrumb out there mm-hmm. in the hopes that um, one of these people uh, will, you know, either themselves, maybe they'll be interested, maybe that they'll, they'll talk to uh, some of their friends, you know, all over the, the country, all over the, the world. Maybe they talk to their children about it and then their children decide, why wouldn't that be a great Christmas present? Um, what if we all pooled our money and, and, uh, and hired, you know, this person to, to ghostwrite granddad's, um, you know, war story or his time mm-hmm. in, in Korea or overseas. Um, so in, in, in that specific example, the medium is public speaking and the content is about, uh, how to write your own personal memoir. Now I like to do, um, I like to interview and I like to be interviewed. So one of my breadcrumbs, um, is to do, um, is to do a, a podcast. I have my own podcast, the, the, the business book, uh, the business book podcast. I've listened to it. It's good. Thank you. <laughs> high, high recommendations, listeners. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, and so the the purpose of that podcast is not to get people to listen to it and say, you know, I need to go uh, hire Derek as my ghostwriter. The purpose of that podcast is to have some content. And I talk to literary agents. I talk to fellow ghostwriters. I talk to business authors. I talk to um, book marketers, book makers. Uh, so I want to have all of these, you know, these different kinds of information. These are different ways to help people. Um, and then I'll put it on on my on my website. I'll push it uh, through YouTube. I'll have the links and I'll put the links on Twitter and Facebook and, and all these other places so that not only do I have the breadcrumb of the actual, um, of the actual interview with this person, but I've, I've created a number of breadcrumbs from one effort. So mm-hmm. from this one recorded interview, I can push it to my podcast. I can push it to YouTube and then I can put all the links in these other places Um so that as people, you know, Google, as they go through uh, Facebook, um, if they, you know, are going through Facebook and they somehow come across Derek Lewis Inc. and they click on there and then they see that there's um, uh, uh, an interview with, you know, a book designer or a typesetter, they think, oh, well, that's interesting. And they click on a typesetter. Well, I'm, I have no idea how many people may actually click on all these different places, but I only need a few of them to go ahead and say, well, this is interesting. Let me, Derek sounds like somebody I'd like to know a little bit better. And then they go mm-hmm. to my website. Well, and then you also have the advantage, well, a couple of advantages. If you're talking to all of these people about something that you love, you know, you get to spend time not, um, not you know, doing your main job, which is doing the ghostwriting, you know, working on the books, but you have this, the sideline where you get to talk to people about things that you're really interested in. And 
which is what I'm finding with this podcast, you get to talk to people who know more than you about things that you want to learn about. And I, I think yeah. that that's, you know, so what my response would be is if you are going to use this type of, if you're going to try to figure out what kind of breadcrumbs you want to produce and put out there. Um, would you agree with me that it has to be something that you're actually going to enjoy doing? Because it's not, it's to a large extent, it's not going to be very measurable. Um, and, you know, for the example of the woman that gives the talks to the, the retired veterans, you know, I think that's such a worthy way of spending your time. So when you have something that you feel good about, and that could also bring in some clients. That's probably the best way of looking at it, right? That is a, a wonderful point, Amy. Um, and in fact, probably something that I, I should have have led with. Whenever you're thinking about breadcrumbs for for yourself, how can I implement this this idea of spreading? You know, these things. Breadcrumbs have to be. Um, just like breadcrumbs in, in real life, right? So whenever you think about spreading breadcrumbs, think about going to the park and, and feeding, you know, geese or birds. You're not going to go to the store and, and buy the most exclusive ingredients and come home and, and make, a, you know, a gorgeous pumpernickel bread or, or a, um, I don't know, a sweet bread or, or a banana bread. You, if you're going to go feed the birds, you're going to go buy the, the cheap white bread, which I now understand is, is actually not good for the birds. But anyway, the idea is you're going to go buy the cheap stuff, right? You're not going to, you're not going to spend all of this time making something super ritzy and exclusive just to go literally throw it to the birds. So the same thing with, with breadcrumbs. Breadcrumbs need to be something that are easy for you to, to throw around. It's easy for you to create. Um, and and comparative, comparatively or, or relatively cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, so for, for me, I like interviewing and I like being interviewed. So having a podcast is is something easy for me. It's something actually whenever I'm I'm finished um, interviewing somebody or, or in, in, in a case like this, being interviewed, it actually energizes me. I, I have more energy at the end of it than I did at the beginning. You know what I hate doing, Amy? What? I hate blogging. I hate it. I hate and this, it this people passion. from the mouth of a writer. Of a writer who writes for a living. But I right. love long form writing. Mm-hmm. So whenever I, I would do blogs, I would find myself writing not a blog, but you know, a whole like a whole case study or a novella or um, you know, a, like the, an exhaustive guide to um well for instance i tried to write a a blog on on business titles how to come up with a a great title for your business book and it turned into a a small ebook because i just i don't like dipping my toe in the water if i'm going to go into something i go into it deep and look at all the angles and i want to know you know the thinking behind it um and so i but you know all of the marketers out there all of your content marketers everybody who does uh out you know inbound marketing you got to have a blog post and, and not only you have to have a blog post and you have to, you have to post, you know, some people were crazy. They were posting like three and five times a, um, a day. You know, some people were posting three and five times a, a week. Amy, I would have to almost whip myself to make me sit down and write one blog post a month. Mm. It was like pulling teeth. So finally, somehow 
I gave myself permission to say, screw it. This does not work for me. I don't want to do it. This does not come naturally to for me. I hate it. I'm not doing a great job at it. So I'm going to chunk it. And so I gave myself permission to delete my blog. Good Amy, for you. The, the, the heavens opened up, the angels <laughs> sang. It was a wonderful day. So for you know, for people who enjoy short form writing, a blog is perfect for them, but it doesn't work for me. Mm-hmm. And so if it's hard, if it takes that much energy, if I don't want to do it, then that cannot ever be an effective breadcrumb strategy for me. Ever. Mm-hmm. For other people, yes, but for me, no. That's why everybody's breadcrumbs are going to look different because we're all different people and we enjoy different things. I've got um, you know, the same, um, uh, um, I've got you know some people who love interviewing and being interviewed, but the, the technology piece of it scares them to death. And so they are not going to do a podcast. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as long as you find something else, to take the place of that, as long as you find an effective breadcrumb strategy for you, then go for it. You don't have to do or copy anybody else's success. Right. You just have to do what works for you and works for the people that you're trying to attract. Although I have to say that if you're just starting off with something, copying somebody else somebody else's success is not a bad route to go. Not that you want to oh, be slavish about it, but it, it's a way to get you started because you need, you know, we all need to get going. You know, we need the momentum, mm-hmm. and you know, you can't turn if you're standing still, right? You you need to you need to be in motion and then mm-hmm. you can start tweaking your your strategies you can start figuring out what works for you and what you enjoy so for instance i've been oh my gosh i i for years i've hated facebook i i don't like social media i and and i've tried i've dabbled in it a little bit more lately but i it just it comes back to me again you know i i don't like doing it and then i don't like how it kind of it makes my brain feel fritzy, you know, like I, I don't feel it just, it feels like there's too much junk going around in my brain. Mm -hmm. So um, there have, you know, that's one of the things that I've been thinking about lately. How is there, um, how do I go out and find the people that I could help without something like this really huge social media platform? Um, But but even, even the, even the question you just, you just asked Amy, if I were you, I would flip it even, even in, in, in my head. So you, you just asked, how can I help? How can I go out and find these people? And that, that's, um, that's the antithesis to attractive marketing. Mm-hmm. So attractive marketing. And this is hard because that's the question that we've been asking ourselves um, as, as, you know, independent professionals, as freelancers, how do I find clients? Uh, we've asked that question so many times, we, we say it without even thinking about it. But we have to retrain our brains mm-hmm. to ask the question, how can I help them find me? And I think that's especially important for things like, you know, ghostwriting and life story writing, personal history, because we're not, we're not serving up commodities, you know, we're serving up something that's very specialized. And so it's going to be attractive for a much smaller segment of the population. So we have to figure out the strategies that work for, for, like you say, helping them find us. So, okay, most of the people that are in this business, they're 
there's, you know, I've traveled some, um, I know people as personal historians, you know, you're going to have the opportunity probably to work with somebody who's long distance, but most of the time, it seems like, um, we, we service the, the local community. So what are some other breadcrumbs that you could, um, that you can think of that would be good for that. So rather than, um, you know, rather than doing the electronic version, what are some good um, uh, non-web-based breadcrumbs? Yeah, the the real world, as uh, yes. as we have to sometimes remind ourselves that it is. Um, so real world, offline, in person, face to face. Different people have different handles for it. Um. I can give you some some examples and, and some ideas. Um, the reason that uh, they don't come as readily is that for me, especially, um, most of my market, in fact, my, my ideal market, um, they're they're actually they're they're not local. There there are only so many people, especially for the rates that I charge now. There are only so many people in in Baton Rouge or in Louisiana or you know within you know a couple of hours drive driving distance. Um, who, okay, can I uh, interrupt you really quick? Do you mind yeah. sharing what your rates are? Yeah. Um, so, um, I actually have a couple of different um, service offerings. Um, but if you want to write a book with me, you're you're looking at between uh, fifty and eighty thousand dollars. Okay. Okay. Yeah. There's definitely definitely personal historians that are working within that range, although most probably are not. Um, okay. And then the other thing, just because I think this is fun, you have, what are the continents that you have not worked with people from? Uh, Africa and Antarctica. <laughs> I was going to ask about Antarctica. <laughs> <laughs> well, that can, that could be on your bucket list, I guess. Right. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt, but uh, local ideas, uh, breadcrumbs for the real world. So again, whenever we're thinking about breadcrumbs, we're not thinking about how can I go out and get people to buy from me? That's a very sales oriented mentality. With a breadcrumb, you're thinking about how can I go put out um, information or ideas or pieces of, of content or experiences even that um, that are easy, that are that are relatively uh, cheap, relatively inexpensive. Um, that I enjoy and that can stick around so that even if somebody isn't there in the moment, the breadcrumb can come around um, and find them. Mm -hmm. um, they can find that breadcrumb later. So some examples um, of some local stuff that I've done, I've been on a local uh, podcast. Um, so I actually, I went to, he had the, the podcast set up in his office and I did, um, and uh, did a one-on-one -on -one, um, interview there talking about ghostwriting. And we didn't talk about business ghostwriting. We just talked about ghostwriting in books in general. So even though I'm a business ghostwriter, um, because of the format, I wasn't trying to be salesy. I wasn't trying to bring it all the way back to business. I kept it at ghostwriting in general because his listeners were uh, a much broader um, target, uh, excuse me, a much more, uh, a much broader audience. Mm -hmm. Um and his, even though that podcast, so this, you know, you were asking me about uh, local. 
but because of the world that we live in, so much of what we do, um, even in real life, bleeds over into the digital world. So his podcast was local, and you know, I went there and was face to face. But whenever he published the podcast, um, it of course p- published digitally. Um, I had uh, uh, an opportunity because of an author that um, that I worked with in in New Orleans. Um, she there was a person she was um, uh, she interviewed us for um, a local radio station, and so it's just a New Orleans um, just a New Orleans station. Um, I don't I don't think it even reaches up here to to Baton Rouge, um, but. Uh, went down there and and it was neat. Got to be in a local radio station with the author. We talked about, um, you know, ghostwriting and talked about publishing and books and, and such as, and I got to be on, um, you know, drive time radio. It aired, um, I think at five or six o'clock, um, in the evening. So prime, you know, prime time. Um, but I wasn't expecting somebody to listen to that radio, um, interview and think, Oh, how, you know, I need to call this guy. Um, what I was thinking of is, you know, having that, that breadcrumb. Um, so it, it went out, but me having that recording and me being able to use that recording, um, in marketing efforts, being able to share that recording on social media, having those pictures of me in the radio station with the author and the interviewer that I could post on my website or that I could put, um, and maybe on, on social media, or if I ever decided to do, you know, some kind of print brochure, um, that I, I would have those, those, um, those artifacts, if you will, from that, uh, from that experience. And I'm guessing too, that it, it establishes you as an authority, right? Um, just what your, what yeah. your business books do for, for people. Um, if you can, if you can show a clip of you being interviewed on TV or, you know, an audio clip of you being recorded on a radio station, you know, that gives you a little bit more credibility, not that you probably need it, but, you know, for people who don't know uh, names of ghostwriters and, uh, you know, if, if they can see that you've been interviewed, you know what you're talking about. And that gives a little bit of weight too, I think. Um, And, you know, I've, so right here, um, so for the listeners, one of the reasons that I reached out to Derek was because I had found his, uh, a book that he had written, the business book Bible. And I have it right here. So I can, I can tell you the whole title. It's everything you need to know to write a great business book. Now, I'm guessing that this is a type of breadcrumb for you too. It's something that mm-hmm. I can hold in my hands. Um, it establishes you as an authority, which is very meta, right? You're a business mm-hmm. book writer, Writing, writing a book about, about <laughs> right, how to write business books, books. <laughs> um, but it's but it's also um, it's it's and this is this is something that I'd like you to address a little bit. It's also putting something out there that and it's a it's wonderfully written. It's a great book. Um, part of the reason that I bought it was because I I don't really have any interest in writing business. I, I'm not a business um, ghostwriter, and and that's not where I'm where I'm trying to head. Um, but I wanted to see how you structured it. I'm, I'm kind of a, a structure nerd. I really like pulling books apart and seeing how they're structured because it can be um, it can be difficult to find the structure in somebody's whole life story. So I'm oh, always looking yeah. at, at ways that I can improve that. And so I was looking at how you structured your book itself. And then there is a, a chapter or a section on structuring books, which is was worth it just buying it for that. Um, I'm, good. But I'm glad it helped. The thing that I, 
you know, one of the mantras that we hear time and time again is don't teach what you want to, um, what you want to sell. So you are very much trying to teach people with this book how to write a business book. But I am guessing that there's some advantages because, well, A, we we all know that writing a book is very hard and people who have not written a book don't always understand that. So I'm guessing they can possibly try it on their own and then realize, oh, wait, I need Derek's help because this is harder than I thought. But give me give me a little bit of your thought process that went into writing this book and the reasons that you did it. Mm-hmm. So to to actually better answer your your question, um, Amy, can I can I turn around and ask you the the question you said we always hear? Um, don't teach what you want to to sell. I've that's the the first time I've I've come across it. Is that um, is that well? It's something that I've heard several times in in this field of of personal history. So maybe it's you know maybe I'm. Um, Maybe I'm over exaggerating a bit, but it is something that I've been told several times. And no, there are plenty of there yeah. are plenty of, of of niche you know communities or or kind of tribes of, of people, um, and and I mean God knows that you know there's seven billion people on this planet now. None <laughs> of us can be connected to to everybody, and I'm I probably don't get out nearly as much as as I should. I wasn't meaning to to say that it's um, that it's something that I should have heard before. I've just, I've never, I've heard the, um, I've heard people express the the sentiment. I've never heard it, it mm-hmm. put quite that, that way. You don't teach um, what you want to, to, to sell. And the reason that it's such a, um, that it's noteworthy for, for me is because it is, um, it is actually something that I address in, in, in my book it, itself, which is, uh, you know, business people writing, books about whatever it is that, that they're doing. There are plenty of, of business authors who are, mm-hmm. um, who are worried about people learning, you know, their methodology or the, the secret sauce or that if their clients know how they did it, then they wouldn't have a need for them, um, them themselves or, or other people copying what they do and, and trying to, to, to poach their, their clients or poach their business. Um, and those are, those are legitimate fears. There's, there are plenty of, of people who would try to, to do that. Um, but, and this again, kind of goes back into our own kind of psychology um, for, for each of us, that idea of, of don't teach what, um, what you want to sell. And the idea of, I don't I need to hold back mm-hmm. um, some of what I put in my book because I, I need people to need me. And if I tell them how to do it, then they won't need me. That comes from a mentality of scarcity. That comes from a mentality of, of fear that we are, if we think that, if we say those things and, and practice them, then we are saying that we're afraid that there's not enough money out there, that the only reason that people would need us is because they don't know what we know. Mm-hmm. The opposite of that is, is something that I've, I've tried to, to practice, um, which is a mentality of abundance, of believing that there's more than enough money out there to go around, believing that there's more than enough business and, and, and opportunities, believing that there are f- far too many clients out there for me to ever in my entire lifetime be able to, to help. 
And so whenever you're thinking about breadcrumbs and putting content out there, whenever you're thinking about writing a, a blog article, whenever you're thinking about writing a book of your own, um, I, I don't ever want to operate because I have absolutely in the past operated from a mentality of scarcity, operated, lived my life from a position of fear. And it is crippling. Instead, I want to live my life believing that there's more than, than enough, that if I help enough people, um, that it's going to come back. Uh, you have to be smart. You have to be intelligent. You can't be Pollyanna naive and mm-hmm. believe that if I do good things, then I'll get you know all of my hopes and dreams will come true. But, but operating out of, out of that paradigm of, of abundance. And so whenever I wrote that book, I wrote it not because I wanted people to read the book and say, well, there's just enough in here for me to believe that Derek knows what he's doing, but not enough for me to be able to do it myself. Mm-hmm. I love people to, to you know, email me or contact me or, or uh, on the Amazon reviews, talk about how it has helped them write their, their book. Because the people who are going to do it themselves Amy, they're probably the people who couldn't have afforded to work with me in, in the first place. Because once you read uh, my, my book, um, one, you should have all the knowledge that you need to get a start on doing your book yourself. But it's still incredibly hard. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of work. Um, and each each book, and you, you know this, each person's life story, even if it's their professional life story, is unique. It's it's different. There are different challenges and different questions and different answers. And there's no way that you can address all of that in, in a book. So it doesn't matter that I've you know bared my soul and been vulnerable and tried to share as much information as I could in that book. There's still, you know, a decade's worth of, of information that that didn't make it in. Mm. I'm I'm not afraid that people are gonna read my book um and, and that they're not going to need me. Um, I want them to read my book and for them to say, wow, if he would share this much in the book, how much more awesome would it be if I could actually afford um, uh, to let him ghostwrite my, my book? Mm, thank you, is it, Derek. Is that I, your question? Yes, I love that. I love that whole, it's, uh, it's, it's putting a different twist on something that I guess I've never examined too carefully myself. Um, and I love the mentality of abundance because, um, you know, whatever we're doing, well, it, I, I suppose some people do things just for money, but uh, if you're doing what you're doing and I'm doing what I'm doing, it's, there's probably a lot more um, in it for us than the, the paycheck or the check from the client. And, um, looking at something, uh, like you said, not approaching something out of fear, but out of this open-hearted sense of abundance, which is how we have to approach our storytellers when we're sitting down to listen to their life story anyhow. Um, but that's, we're, we're kind of getting short on time. Um, I did want to ask you, because you've mentioned a couple of times and I wasn't aware of this, you have courses for ghostwriters, um, so I think we've done five rounds now. Um, I, I connected a few years ago with a great, um, a great guy out of Atlanta named, uh, Ed Gandia. And, uh, he 
focus is mostly on on um, on coaching B two B copywriters. Mm-hmm. He he runs the high income yeah business right yes <laughs> tell right. tell me the name of it because I don't think I got it yeah. quite right high, high income business writing okay uh, yes guest. yeah. Um, wonderful, wonderful guy. And so, um, a five, about five times now we've, uh, we've put together a, a course, um, where I've, I've walked, um, I think all together we've had 50 or 60 people, um, come through, um, people who are already writers of, of some kind, um, and they're looking to break into, uh, the ghostwriting field, um, and so we uh, we just do these one one course at a time, um, and you know each we wait until we feel like that it's it's the it's the right time. So this isn't something that is ongoing. It's it's literally on a on a course by course basis. But um, we've had sixty you know people come through now, so it's it's enough that I, I feel confident in, in pointing to to their success. Um, so that whenever I'm, I'm trying to share examples or trying to talk to people about my ideas, um, that it gives them maybe the, I want to, I want people to, to know that this isn't something that works just for me or that there's something special that I'm doing that I'm not, that I'm not telling. I want them to see that there are plenty of other people who are taking the same concepts, now implementing them and executing them very differently. Um, but, taking these ideas and using them in their own practices uh, and it, and it working so that it's not something, well, it just works for Derek. This is stuff that I've seen work for other people and that I've helped other um, independent professional writers implement in their own businesses mm-hmm. to, uh, to achieve success. So that's, that's the, the reason for me mentioning it um, so that this isn't just um, Derek spouting out all of some of, of his stuff, but hopefully universal principles that any of your listeners um, should be able to take and implement into their business, whatever it is, and uh, and hopefully find some some uh, increased measure of success. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great. So, where can people find out about you and about these courses and um, and the book that you've written? Uh, so ex- the courses again right now exclusively um, we go through uh, we go through Ed's um, Ed's listener base so you'd have to subscribe to uh, to Ed Gandia's uh, newsletter that's where he'll he'll announce and the people who want to join um, he, he puts them on a on a separate a separate list um, so signing up for um, for Ed at b 2 com, I believe is his. Uh, is his main website. And then for me, um, if you want to con- uh, connect with me on LinkedIn or Facebook um, or any my podcast, anything else like that, everything you can find at my, uh, my website, DerekLewis.com. Great. Well, I have so many more questions, but I think we'll have to probably wait for a different, uh, another episode in the future. Well, this is, we'll have to do it again. I good. I hope so. This has been a, it's been a pleasure. Um, you've, opened my eyes to a few things of ways of looking at things that I, um, I probably wouldn't have not come across on my own. So I, I really appreciate you taking the time for me and for all of the listeners. Oh, Amy, I've, I've had so many people um, in, in my life help me along the way. It is, it is genuinely a pleasure to, to hear that I'm, I may have, uh, I may have paid it forward a little bit. 
And that does it for our interview with Derek Lewis, international ghostwriter of business books and the author of the Business Book Bible. You can find links to Derek, his book, and a few of the other things that we talked about in the episode show notes. Just head over to thelifestorycoach.com and look for episode 12. I hope this conversation has given you some fresh ideas on how to incorporate some of these marketing strategies into your own business marketing plan. And if you have any other ideas that could help the rest of us or any questions about today's episode, share them in the comments of the show notes at episode 12. And if today's show was helpful, the best way you can return the favor is to leave us a review on iTunes. I'm Amy Woods Butler, personal historian and your coach for building your own personal history business. Now go out and save someone's story.